Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Harditz, and I hope you have had a lovely week 15. I know we've had the schedule moving players in, players out, but it still is the fantasy playoffs, and I hope, for the love of God, you are able to advance into the next round, in which case we will continue to have you covered with everything you need to know to take home that fantasy glory. As always, on this Sunday evening, I'm in, I am joined by none other than PFF's own Dwayne The Rock McFarlane. Dwayne, how's your Sunday? Man, it's good. Uh, not crazy about this slate, but there, it was definitely, I thought of you multiple times today. <laughs> Thank you, sir. There was Duke Johnson. We got Drew Locke in a game. I mean, there, you know, there was just a lot going on. Like, I was like, you know, hey, this is like, this is a true Ian week. Like, getting two touchdowns from Duke Johnson to go on top of a season of Corderell Patterson. Like, I just, I felt, I felt positive vibes for you. But overall, like, man, like, Kind of a kind of a nasty start to the fantasy playoffs. Like the leaders, if you look up the leaderboard and you're like, who are these guys? Like who's leading the league, you know, this week? So anyway, yeah, man, ready to jump into it. Actually, quite a few notes. Like a lot of times when we get this deep in the season, there's not that much new from utilization. We have, uh, I don't know, I think six or seven key takeaways today of some things that could be changing or are changing. And of course, Ben, on my very first podcast I, I did with the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast, episode one last, um, it would have been like two Julys ago or, or whatever, I did this quick spiel. I was like, hi, my name is Ian Harditz and I listed a few things. I was like, I'm president of the Cordero Patterson fan club. And I, one of the things I said, people can go back and listen to it, was that Duke Johnson is a three down RB and we shouldn't let people like Hugh Jackson and Bill O'Brien change our opinions of that. They use all time leading rusher, has always had this ability. It was great to see him get that but Dwayne we got some other games to get to before I just spend 15 minutes gushing about Duke Johnson <laughs> let's start things off with the Steelers taking down the Titans 19 to 13 they covered as a one and a half point favorite under cashed out 43 and a half maybe the most disgusting game of the entire day there were a lot of them so I don't want to necessarily crown this one but Dwayne, the Steelers had 168 total yards of offense, and they won. Like, Deontay Johnson led, led in quotations the way with 48 total yards. And I'm not saying it was on him or any of these guys. Titans have been playing a lot better defense in the second half of the year than the first half. But 168 total yards of offense, that's why every single guy you start in this one is going to dud. So, Najee Harris, 18 rushing yards, and then only 8 receiving yards. Hopefully, you had a first-round bye already if you were starting him. And, yeah, disappointing game from Deontay as well. Pat Fryermuth only finished with 37 total yards. Just note that he got concussed, uh, I believe, in like the second or I think it was the third quarter. So certainly wasn't able to play the entire game. And yeah, man, only touchdown. Big Ben from the one yard line. And hilariously enough, like, I'm not sure. I think it happened after this because the way the broadcast uh, cut it up, Ben scores his touchdown. And then they show him in sweatpants sitting on the stairs like in the tunnel. It looked like he went there afterwards, man. Maybe he was just so overcome with joy from scoring that rushing touchdown that he had to go sit, have a moment to himself. Either way, disgusting one here. Dwayne, do you have any real takeaways here from the Steelers? Yeah, only one really. And it's that we've just got to be careful with Claypool. I think he gets a downgrade this week in the utilization report. Been kind of monitoring it. But three weeks in a row now, Ian, where we've seen his routes under 70%. So routes per drop back, 68%, 55%, and 59%. So when you're dealing with an offense that isn't that prolific to begin with, as you're outlining, as we've seen in this game in particular, yeah. you know, one of their worst outings of the season. Um, but just knowing that there are multiple mouths to feed and it's just not a high, you know, it's not a high ceiling. 
an offense. Yeah. Like it, it could have a spike game, but like we don't expect it every week. So with Claypool, I think we just really got to look at him more as that low end wide receiver three. Heck, if you're in like a 10, 18 format, he's more of a, he's a wide receiver four at this point. But if you're in a full 12, like you can still keep him at that end of the wide receiver three range, but you just have to know he's very boom bust at this point. Very boom bust indeed. Final note here. Uh, Steelers did win. I usually try to give the winner my uh, PFF Lily special stat, and it is in regards to Najee Harris, who, let's face it, hasn't had a very good rookie year in terms of efficiency. Now, we've seen the volume going into this week. Only Jonathan Taylor had more weeks as a true RB1. He hasn't been a disappointment in fantasy by any stretch of the imagination. With that said, 43 running backs with at least 100 carries this year. Najee is 35th in PFF rushing grade, tied for 18 and missed tackles for us per carry, but just 42nd in yards per carry, 31st in yards after contact per carry. And then in terms of yards per outrun, Dwayne, 36 out of 48 qualified running backs. So, you know, Javante Williams, man, was PFS number one running back coming out by the college experts. I'm not saying I was sitting here going super far against the, against the grain, although I liked him too. Either way, right now, I think if we had to redo the draft with everything we know now, uh, I'm assuming Javante would be pretty clearly the number one RB from the 2021 class. Now, Dwayne, other side of the ball, another horrifically disappointing offensive effort from the Titans. We did get one rushing touchdown from Tannehill at the goal line, got his nice little finger roll, which I always remark on being very cool, and I continue to maintain that. But other than that, man, it was Deontay Foreman going for 108 yards on 22 carries, also managed to chip in two catches for 27 yards, and that was really the only offensive performer worth even a little bit of a damn. We did see Nick Westbrook-Akini drop about a 40-yarder in his hands. Perfect throw. It's an 80-yard house call, but for this one, it, it was a little bit overthrown so still hit him in the hands should have been caught just realized like best case scenario uh, I think Tannehill has a nice little 80 yards and a touchdown onto his tally wasn't meant to be why was Nick Westbrook the leading target with seven targets that's because Julio Jones unfortunately re-injured the hamstring and got ruled out so Dwayne I wouldn't be shocked if Julio is out of the picture we have over a month of evidence now without Derrick Henry without Julio and AJB that Tannehill cannot consistently throw the ball can we at least rely on form in a little bit? Because over the last three weeks, it's been more good than bad form for him from. Yeah, so I mean, it is still a three-way committee. 39% of the snaps to Foreman, 36% to Dontrell Hilliard, 29% to Jeremy McNichols, who may have got con another concussion. I I was watching Red Zone today, so it bounced away after a weird hit. Like he had taken one hit, and then as he was falling, he got hit again. I saw him get banged up earlier line. in the game. Okay, you know, that one, he came back. I'm, I'm Pretty sure. back? Okay. I'm pretty okay. sure. Yeah. So then it's pretty much like it was last week, but 54% of the rushing attempts did go to Deonta Foreman, which is what we had seen for the previous weeks, except last week. Last week, we really saw all three guys get involved. So I don't know that we can really trust it a ton in. I feel like it's kind of a, an ebb and flow week to week, but just know that all three backs are going to be involved. If it works out well, you'll see about half of the carries go to Foreman, but not involved in long down and distance. 0% of that, 20% to Dontrell Hilliard and Jeremy McNichols had 80% of the long down distance work. And then as far as the two-minute offense, 50% to McNichols, 33% to Hilliard. A little bit of work there for Foreman, 17%. So basically, the way I look at this, Foreman, he's going to he's he's 50% basically of the early downs, you know, rushing attempts. Then you got the change of pace back in Hill and Hilliard. And then you have the passing down back, which is Jeremy McNichols. So you really got all three. And then when you get inside the five, it's Ryan Tannehill for the layup. 
Bills took down the Panthers 31-14, covering as a 14.5 point favorite over cashed at 43. Not Josh's best game, but we've seen this throughout the year. He's been up and down in real life. Fantasy continues to be far more good than bad. Had the four sacks, had a pick, had a fumble, also threw three touchdowns, two of which went to everyone's favorite flex streamer this week, Gabriel Davis. Funny tweet from uh, Scott Pianowski, who's been on this podcast a couple times, uh, does great stuff over there at Yahoo Sports, where he just tweeted, you know who liked Gabe Davis today? Everybody, which is very freaking true. So, hey, I hope you guys benefited from it. But, you know, sometimes we have these, uh, you know, in, in DFS and everything, when there's a play that has 50% ownership, that's called chalk. This was a chalk pickup. There's nothing wrong with that. Just spare me, you know, some of these victory laps I see on Gabe <laughs> Davis. It was Josh Allen's, you know, number two, number three receiver. Of course, we were going to like him, particularly in a game against the Panthers, where Dwayne and I told you throughout the week with Gilmore likely on digs with the man coverage stuff. This was always looking like a good spot for Davis. Dwayne, it could have been even bigger though, man. Five catches, 85 yards, two scores. No one's complained about that, but earlier in the game, 50-yard bomb from Josh Allen was overthrown by probably six inches. Otherwise, we'd be looking at three touchdowns for Davis. So the other big takeaway, which ended up coming to fruition, Dwayne, this was something we talked about earlier in the week with Josh Allen banged up. He still ran the ball three times for 24 yards, but we saw really the largest emphasis ever on Devin Singletary as a rusher. Obviously, game script had a lot to do with this. 31 to 14. This game was never really close. 17 to 8 at halftime. But man, to see Devin Singletary rack up 23 touches, 96 yards, and find the end zone, you know, we had to make sure that Zach Moss was a healthy scratch. We've seen this backfield go up and down throughout the year. I'm not saying this is going to be consistent uh, the rest of the way. But if this holds, Dwayne, we finally have a usable fancy running back in Buffalo. Yeah, we do. And so we've seen Moss be a healthy scratch, you know, two out of the last three. Or maybe is it three out of the three, last, three out of the last four games? Only one now. that wasn't was the crazy snow win game. Yes. Yeah. So three out of four games we've been without Moss. And then knowing that, you know, Allen could be a little bit limited moving forward today. He only handled seven, seven 7% of the design rushing attempts for the team. And to, you know, to your point, it was really all about Singletary, 93% of the snaps, 81% of the routes, 86% of the rushing attempts, 100% of short down a distance, 85% of long down a distance, 100% of the two minute offense wasn't involved in the passing game. But I think that's a week to week thing. If we have weeks where Allen isn't running, I think he could easily get involved in the passing game. Last week, that's really where Singletary came through. Um, was catching the check down passes. Only 3% of the targets today, but we know he is a viable receiver out of the backfield. You know, and Matt Breida, man, he was the other guy available. Only 4% of the snaps, 4% of the rushing attempts. So it really was all Singletary. Now, who knows if it'll stay, you know, if the utilization will stay this strong. But I think at a minimum, we know we do have a lead back, right? Yeah. If it stays this strong, we don't know. But even if, if Singletary can stay in that 70 to 80% range of the snaps, you know, stay in that 70, 80 percent of the rushing attempts, you know, and then he's going to have games where he will he's going to pick up receptions like it's going to happen. So, uh, again, the routes were fine. Eighty one percent of the routes like that's elite in a route. Eighty one percent like most backs, you know, is really good to get to 60 percent. You know, 70 percent is like, you know, Alvin Kamara range. Eighty one percent is like off the charts. So, yeah, big upgrade today for Devin Singletary. Um, he'll be a top topic in the utilization report tomorrow. Also on the Bills, Gabriel Davis, just real quick, 90% of the routes per dropback and 45% of the air yards today. I just like seeing him out there. I know the Bills still just weren't truly clicking. Um, you know, they ended up winning this game, you know, pretty easily. 
Um, but like they didn't have a huge game passing. Like now there were three touchdowns for Josh Allen, but I just like the idea of Gabe Davis giving them, you know, that vertical presence, you know, and again, he's showing off that he's got more gear. He's, he has more gears than just, you know, the long ball. So I think that's good for him, but I think, you know, this could really be good for the bills, like having another player out there that can truly stretch the field. He has to gain respect, you know, and then that can open up things for Stefan Diggs. Cause really, if you think about it, you know, Diggs, and if you think about Emmanuel Sanders, they're kind of playing the same role, right? It's all like, hey, when with your route running, not that that's bad, but it's all intermediate underneath a little bit of deep stuff. And you got Cole Beasley running out of the slot. You don't throw to your backs much. You're running with your quarterback. It's, it, I think it just helps to have someone that the defense knows could get over the top of them. And remember, Davis did not practice all week. I mean, we heard pretty early last week that it was doubtful that he was going to be able to play. Would not be shocked if at a minimum, Manny Sanders is going to miss another game or at least be limited enough where they go back to Gabriel Davis. I mean, he really has been their second most efficient receiver this year. Yards per out run, Diggs is at 1.92, Davis 1.81, then Beasley 1.42, and Emmanuel Sanders 1.31. Also goes to show, man, especially in today's NFL, awfully important to have, you know, more than one or two capable wide receivers I think we even saw that in the Green Bay offense over these past few weeks how much you know added help that's been getting Marquez Valdez Scantling and Alan Lazard back and balling so that's how it is sometimes I know Eric Eager has done some great work in the past showing that you know sometimes these wide receiver groups are only as strong as your weakest link once you get in the playoff time now joining a passing game that doesn't quite have the same upside as what we see in Buffalo is the Carolina Panthers Cam hasn't been terrible all year, but he was terrible in this one. And he's probably going to turn in a top five fantasy performance regardless. Because as we say on here all the time, you can be a good fantasy player, not a good real life one. Ended up throwing for a touchdown, but man, that was just like a pretty simple angle route to Amir Abdullah. Otherwise, 4.1 yards per attempt. And that, that includes that touchdown. I'm not trying to take that away. But yeah, 4.1 yards per attempt. He took four sacks. He threw a bad pick and he also put the ball on the ground twice, albeit the Panthers did not lose it so i was thinking about this today ian like so yeah. if you wanted to build scoring rules for a fantasy league you can't just take away the points for the rushing right that's got to no. be there like the way you have to punish like you have to get in a lot of leagues won't want to do this but like kind of like scott fishbowl does like you you have to you would have to do something with completion percentage right or incompletions like that's how you would you know really punish people like cam newton Taysom hill like if folks are interested in doing that i think sacks could be like minus one yeah, it's got to be something where you can't take away the rushing upside, you know, of these guys. It's got to be really because where they're failing is in the is in the passing game, right? In the running game, what they're doing is actually good. I mean, Newton handled forty six percent of the rushing attempts today for the Panthers that led the team. Like that can still be a positive, but yeah, you'd have to do something where you're you're negative scoring, hitting them in the passing game, sacks, things like you're talking about. If you think about it, I mean, a quarterback running the ball should be seen as like a complete pass, like you're a hundred percent on it. It's like we don't give them enough credit in real life. I think for rushing, we almost give them too much. Well, and defenses fantasy. hate it. Like defenses don't yeah. want to have to worry about that. Like, so, you know, it's a positive because you hear the defense coordinators bitching about yeah. it. Like, <laughs> so that's what tells me it's a good thing. Like for ultimately the team is when I hear the coordinators, you know, they're like, yeah, this guy's a nightmare. Right. Cause I gotta, I gotta allocate a spy to him. <laughs> we can't run man coverage as much because if we do, we turn our backs, he takes off. We can't run like a lurk. It has to be a spy instead of like a lurk, like back there watching all the crossing routes and stuff like that. So anyway, more of an off-season topic probably, but 
just wanted to hear your thoughts. No, I like it though. We'll definitely uh, dive into that a little bit more come June or something like that. But yes, not a good day for our guy Cam. He's back, but you know, we'll see how long that happens. He was good enough to keep PJ Walker from getting on the field, but just realize, you know, the leash could not be shorter for Cam these days. And uh, that's going to be rough when they have to go face TB12 in the Buccaneers. So remember, the, the role that they said PJ Walker has is the two minute offense. Mm -hmm. The Panthers didn't run the two minute offense today. Mm -hmm. So for whatever reason, there's zero zero percent of their snaps were in the two minute offense. So that may down, be why 31, the, down 31 down 31 14. You didn't didn't think they, to maybe speed it up a little bit? Didn't think to. Didn't think to. I think basically they thought the more plays they ran, the worse it would be. <laughs> Unfreaking real. Well, DJ Moore, six catches, 48 yards, led the way, receiving 11 targets. Could have had a huge day. He got wide, wide open deep for a potential 50-yard score. Unfortunately, was badly underthrown. At this point, I would put him right there at Terry McLaurin as the favorite to be their generations. Andre Johnson, Allen Robinson, a great wide receiver that unfortunately, when you start looking at all the quarterbacks they played with, you just have one long list of scrubs. All due respect to Cam Newton's career. I love Cam. I have for the last 10 years. Unfortunately, he has not been the same guy since since suffering that shoulder injury halfway through the 2018 season. Um, only Man, other... looking at this year's class versus what yeah. the Panthers had that they could have gone after last year. Seen... <sighs> now, That's why you don't go bargain these shopping at QB, man. Do what? You don't go bargain shopping at QB. Otherwise, you end up with Sam Darnold and freaking 2021 <laughs> Cam Newton. <laughs> that, that life comes at you fast. My goodness. So, but also what Cam's doing, and we've talked about this throughout the year in terms of, you know, the effects that dual threat quarterbacks can have on their team's running backs. Cam, 15 carries. Chuba, eight. Amir Abdullah, just four. Chuba looked okay rushing, but the problem is he's got Cam vulturing. He's got Cam really just working as the RB1 a lot of weeks himself. And then we also have Amir Abdullah still on the targets. So, Dwayne, this is why, you know, before the buy, even on the waiver show, we really weren't prioritizing Chuba Hubbard. Maybe he finds a way to fall into the end zone. But, man, at this point, DJ Moore, I think, is the only player in the offense that you can start with even a little bit of confidence. And even then, man, we, we, we've seen this now. The floor could not be lower. It truly is a shame compared to what we saw in this offense the first month of the year. Yes, he is it. And it's only a volume play, right? Yeah. You know that he's probably not going to have his upside uncorked just because of like, you know, the limitations of the offense. But yeah, you can't use the backs. It was split up again, 53% of the snaps to Abdullah, 47% to Chuba Hubbard. Um, routes, 52% to 31%. Rushing attempts, 29% to Chuba. But Cam, again, led the team 46%. And the short down and distance, so that is one or two yards to go, third or fourth down. It also would capture a lot of your you know, rushing attempts inside the five at the goal line, 100% of those attempts went to Cam Newton as they have been. So Hubbard doesn't even really have like a home. Like there's nothing you can say about him. Like, oh, that's his. Like he's not the passing down back. He's not the early down back. He doesn't get to work inside the five. Basically, he's a between the 20s. Maybe we'll think about handing it to you back. And you just can't use that. All right, Texans, Jaguars, 30 to 16 in favor of Houston, who covered as six point dogs over cashed at 40. Turns out removing Urban Meyer didn't magically solve every single problem for what is still a very terrible football team and now in prime position to get that number one overall pick for the second year in a row with the Lions managing to shockingly win this week. So with the Texans, we don't need to spend too much time on this. Backfield remains more or less a mess. We did see Rex Burkhead get 16 carries this week david johnson just six royce freeman free but once again three running backs consistently involved and we you know hey if the texans are going to play we've seen this before like week one 
The other game the Texans inexplicably won that's escaping me, uh, my memory for a second. They've had positive game script in like three games this year. We see the guys put up good volume numbers, and we once again see them not have any sort of upside that's worth chasing in the first point. So Burkhead had an RB20 finish earlier in the year. Freeman got an RB22 one last week. Those are the only games we've seen any of these running backs crack the top 24. So yes, the Burkhead volume, it's, it's 17 touches. It's hard to find that out there on the waiver wire. I understand that, but man, and only the most desperate situations should you be turned into 17 touches for 47 yards. Exactly. <laughs> and this was, again, best case scenario, matchup, game script, everything just didn't quite work out. Uh, credit to Davis Mills. I mean, I think he's probably exceeded expectations based on the environment he's in throughout this year. And we've seen, I think, more so earlier in the games when they are able to stick to their script, him have some extra success. But even in this one, man, the 209 yards and two touchdowns, I think a lot of that should be credited to Brandon Cooks. 102 yards and two scores for Mr. Cooks. He is now on pace this season for 97 catches, 1,150 yards and six scores. We've seen the duds, but as that pace, you know, tells you, we have seen the upside as well. So, you know, Dwayne, it's been like this for months. Brandon Cooks is the only guy we can even somewhat trust in this offense, and that's how it's going to be the rest of the year as well. Yeah, I mean, I think the only lesson we've learned, like, is if any time a player is not supposed to play, I guess we just play them now. I mean, like, Burkhead went from being out. Like, he was immediately just said he was going to be out. Yeah. I, that's the first time I can remember where, like, as of Tuesday, players out. Then it went to questionable, and then they're actually the lead back, sixty-one <laughs> percent. Not just active, tips. but the lead back. It's nuts. Yeah. Uh, the only other thing on the Texans, you know, we were, you know, had some dynasty folks. We were kind of getting excited about Brevin Jordan. Not sure what happened there. I know he's questionable coming into the game, but he was active. But he did not register one single snap today, um, and I think that was one of Andrew's favorites. You know, as far as just kind of a punt play at tight end, which I did like. I used a couple times today, so that was a good donut. I liked it. <laughs> At least you saved the salary. He cried as he finished his bottle of whiskey. With the Jaguars. Mostly with Mark Andrews, so I feel fine. <laughs> there we go. Um, with the Jaguars, Trevor Lawrence, you know, dealt with a lot of drops out there. This wasn't his worst game of the year. Once again, though, zero touchdowns. Like, the fact that we were talking about this in the PFF office, like, the fact Blake Bortles could throw for 35 touchdowns in garbage time and be this fantasy-relevant quarterback, and we have Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, not even putting up numbers in garbage time, that's the concerning part. So we're going to need to see some major turnarounds from these guys in the offseason. Need to get them some more receivers. Need to get them some better coaches. Again, it's just been really, to me, surprising that even in the end of games, haven't been able to see these guys put up some level of production. Uh, LaVisca Chenault did flash a few times, week high four broken tackles as a receiver. Uh, is he a fancy asset? Absolutely not. You know, finished with under 40 yards, but don't just, test people, Ian. Come on. What are you just doing? Thought, just thought I would point that out before quickly moving on. Marvin Jones also with another disappointing day. I would just note that he could have had a fairly easy 11-yard touchdown early on in the game, but Trevor unfortunately sailed the ball out the back of the end zone. James O'Shaughnessy, four catches, 60 yards, just four targets though we saw Trevwell, Chenault, and James Robinson work ahead. So really, Dwayne, we've wanted one thing out of this Jaguars offense all year long, and that was just for James Robinson to be featured. We did have Carlos Hyde out with a concussion in this one, but at a minimum, over these next few weeks, we can get back to firing up Robinson as a top 15 option with this sort of usage. Yeah, man, 84% of the snaps, 71% uh, routes per drop back or pass play, 76% of the rushing attempts, 50% of the short down and distance. That's where Agamba Wale was out there a little bit, but long down and distance, 64% and 77% of two-minute offense. You know, they will get Carlos Hyde back, so we'll have to see what 
happens when he's back. But based on what the coaches told, told us this week, you know, about the way they want to use Robinson, I think this is here to stay, Ian. And yes, even on the Jaguars, you can get a high-end RB2 whenever you have this type of utilization. Cowboys took down the Giants 21 to 6, covering as a 12-point favorite, under cashed at 43 and a half points. Better game from Dak Prescott. It wasn't last week. Still left a lot to be desired, though. We saw him take three sacks, just one touchdown, 217 yards, was not able to clear even six yards per attempt, and he also did lose a fumble. Seemingly the one time he really tried to throw something deep downfield, wasn't able to get the ball out. And yeah, man, like that was just the surprising part. This Cowboys offense, you know, to start the year, one of the most explosive groups in the league. Didn't even have a single completion today of more than 20 yards. So CeeDee Lamb didn't help matters. I think he was the only receiver on the week that PFF charged with multiple drops. But yeah, just overall, still not seeing the best version of this Cowboys offense. At least we did have Tony Pollard back in action and looking healthy, man. Like all the, the bursts seem to be there. 12 carries, 74 yards. You know, you could once again clearly see that he is a dynamic back in space. Also credit to Ezekiel Elliott. Scored a touchdown from 13 yards out. Also managed to chip in three catches for 20 yards. So not pretty. I really wish Zeke wasn't, you know, a volume-based RB2 at this point that needs to score touchdowns. Uh, with that said, you know, we're still going to have an awfully hard time fading anyone that's going to be seeing 20 combined carries and targets in one of the leagues by based on the whole year, not necessarily the last four weeks, based on one of the league's better offenses. But that's the thing, man. I mean, I guess Gallup, he did have a chance at like a 40-yard catch down the sideline. Dak underthrew it. There's a safety coming over. But everything has just been so much harder in recent weeks than it was earlier in the year. And I think you can see that reflected specifically through Dak. Weeks 1 through 6, 87.6 PFF passing grade. Weeks 9 through 15, coming back from that calf injury, just 69.2. 16 touchdowns, 4 interceptions before, 9 touchdowns on six interceptions since yard per attempt has dropped from 8.4 to 6.5 everything has been tougher in this offense man so at a minimum we can you know rest easy thinking that they'll improve as he continues to get healthier hopefully they get tyron smith back in a few weeks at least all the wide receivers are in the picture for right now but, you know, we'll want to see them figure this out before they get to the playoffs and truly are clicking on all cylinders. But, hey, if the defense keeps playing like they're playing, man, maybe they don't need to be quite out 100%. Shout out to Trayvon Diggs. 10, count them, 10 interceptions this year. You know, yeah, he's given up a bunch of touchdowns and yards too. But when you get 10 interceptions, you cannot slander that man. So everyone else I was there, watching this game, out. and I, I swear to you, he was baiting Glennon the whole game. Like, he looked like he was covering Kenny, Kenny Galladay. He looked like he could have covered Kenny Galladay with one leg. Like, he was just the whole time, like, anytime he was over there on him. Well, and you saw the pick. Like, it's just kind of like, hey, I'm in front of Kenny Galladay. Like, you know, I was like, I am so covered up. It was not like that was a great decision by Glennon. But, uh, yeah, Diggs has been playing great. I mean, 10 picks, awesome. And really, it's just the front, you know, Will seven, you know, for Dallas right now. But really, I mean, it's all about, you know, you got Lawrence back, you know, at the edge, you've got Randy Gregory, and then you've got Parsons, you know, with those three guys, it's just a lot, you know, for any offensive line to handle. And especially for a quarterback, you know, more of a journeyman type like Glennon, you know, you're going to need some mobility, you got to be able to make quick decisions, read the fronts, all that kind of stuff. And the Cowboys, you know, the schedule's pretty easy. Like, so they should, yeah. they should clinch the division, you know, I'll knock on yeah. wood. But um, as far as their offense goes, man, like what I'll say is like with the defense playing so well, there is a chance like if Dak can get healthy and we could see the explosive offense we saw earlier in the season, you know, by the time they get to the playoffs, like they could be really dangerous. But if they can't, I think even with the defense playing good, while it can keep, keep you hanging around, like 
to compete with Aaron Rodgers and to compete with whether it's, you know, the Rams, the Cardinals, you know, whoever, it's going to be, you're going you're to have to have the offense too. So Dak's going to have to get things right. As far as Zeke and Pollard go, it was 60, 62% of the snaps to Zeke, 41% to Pollard. So really kind of back to what we saw uh, in the couple of weeks before, you know, Pollard was out, which was a little bit of a redu- reduced role for Zeke, a little more work for Pollard. And really what they've said in the media down here for the last couple of weeks is they just want to keep both guys health- healthy. So they don't want to overwork either one of them. So I think this is probably what we'll see through the end of the season is around the 60-40. And it's probably somewhere like 55-35, 50-40 as far as rushing attempts between the two guys. Um, really, Zeke is still handling most of the passing down work, 67% of the long down and distance, 100% of the two-minute offense. Both had three receptions today, but Zeke was definitely out there more in the passing down situation. So I think when I look at Zeke, you know, he's a mid-range RB2 right now. Um, you know, he could if he was healthy, he would definitely be more like a low-end RB1 in this yeah. offense. Pollard is really, he's an RB3, you know, with, with some upside. But this injury is enough, though, that you kind of got to treat him a little bit with kid gloves because you don't want something to flare up like in the game, right? And then you lose him. So I think of him more as like that mid-range RB3. But he certainly, you know, showed to your point today that gear to be able to make, you know, some some longer plays and to be able to potentially give you that long scoring option. 25% of his carries today went for 10 yards or more. So explosive rate of 25%. Stuffed on 0% of his rushing attempts. Yards after contact today, 4.2 for Tony Pollard. As far as the receivers go, Lamb for the third week in a row since having all the guys back. 71% of the routes. So he's been the lowest of the three each of the three weeks that he's been back. But it hasn't really mattered because when he's on the field, he's getting more targets. Targets per route run. 32% for C.D. Lamb versus 11% for Gallup and 10% for Amari Cooper. So Lamb is still the clear option to own in the passing game you know, for the Cowboys. It is weird how much they've really shifted him back into the slot. Like, I'm not denying that having him in the slot is bad. Like, okay, he probably should be the guy in there between him, Gallup, and Cooper. But man, just six total snaps out wide this week, only seven last week. I mean, it wasn't that long ago, man. Like, in the middle of the season, he was only having that many snaps, like, in the slot compared yeah. to out wide. So, seeing them totally change his role around, um, I think it could – we'll need to look at the uh, average target depth numbers, Dwayne, because I feel like Gallup has been racking up the air yards over the past few weeks compared to CD. So, if anything – Yeah, CD, almost... 30% of the air yards this week, 33% to Gallup. Um, average depth of okay. target, though, to your point, Gallup, 16, um, ADOT, 7. 6.7 for C.D. Lamb and a 5.5 for Amari this week. Sheesh. Yeah. Hey, the next, next year, though, here's the good thing. With Lamb, we've seen that he can play outside. Now, not that we really doubted it, but we got a good sample of it this year. And Gallup will probably be moving on. You know, hopefully he lands with a team where he can get more work as well. But, I mean, Lamb, you know, he's a guy that we'll be talking a lot about this offseason, about how, how high are we going to rank him. We'll probably have some good conversation around that. I believe it's going to be awfully high, but yes, we will certainly get to that later. With the Giants, Mike Glennon, terrible three interceptions, you know, has had stretches this year where he hasn't looked this bad. Uh, today, it was not one of them, and we did end up seeing Jake Fromm come in in the fir- fourth quarter, make a couple of okay throws, like he completed a 36-yard pass to Kenny Galladay. You would like to see those things from the wide receiver. You know, you're paying $64 million to be there, uh, but yeah, come on. We can't expect anything from this Giants offense. You know, similar thing to Jacksonville. Like, we got rid of Jason Garrett, and I was like, hey, hopefully this just fixes everything. It turns out, you know, the Jims and Joes might have a little bit more to do than the X's and O's in some of these terrible 
terrible um, offensive situations. Um, unfortunately, Sterling Shepard ruptured an Achilles. Hate to see that. Please get better. You know, truly, I think one of the more underrated route runners in the league yeah. when he is fully healthy just hasn't really been the case throughout this year. And yeah, man, other than that, just awfully brutal. My biggest takeaway, Dwayne, continues to be I am so disappointed that I cannot tell who has the ball between Devontae Booker and Saquon Barkley. And I get it because Saquon made like one of the sickest catches of the day. Like I'm not trying to say like as a route runner, catching the ball, I, Saquon's special in that. Like he always has been. But when they get the ball in their hands, I can't tell the difference. And it's 26-28, but man, I wish that it was so much more clear which guy was more explosive. Unfortunately, it's not. And Dwayne, it seems like maybe it's, you know, lost season. Giants are now 4-10. Saquon's going to be you know, contract after this. We don't want to necessarily just give him 30 empty touches a game. But at this point in fantasy, man, like he's just going to continue flying down the ranks because here, come here comes Devontae Booker more and more involved in this offense. Yeah, man. Um, last week, you know, when you when we looked at Barkley, it was really once the game got way out of hand, he had still been out there for like 90% of the work. This week, it was kind of spread out all through the game where it was Barkley and Booker. So 59%. Um, almost more like a Zeke Pollard split, like almost exactly 59% of the snaps to Barkley, 44% to Booker, 53% of the routes to Barkley, 34% to Booker, 64% of the rushing attempts to Barkley, and 32% to Booker. You did see Booker also uh, handle the long down and distance work, and we've seen him doing that more lately, 79%. And then he was he split the two-minute offense with Barkley, 50-50. They also split the short down and distance carries. Um, Barkley much more active in the passing game. His target's route run today 42 percent and with Shepard out if we don't get some of these other underneath options back pretty quickly that's probably where we see the biggest boost to Barkley's game he had eight targets today caught four of those for 24 yards but to your point about the explosiveness like the data backs it up as well I mean 10 yards or more so explosive rate you know as far as rushing attempts 25 percent for Devontae Booker today zero percent for Saquon Barkley so I mean Booker was able to take his eight carries for 74 where Barkley had 15 450 Barkley did have the really good catch as you mentioned um so i mean i think we just kind of got it it is what it is at this point and it kind of it really has been for a while like yeah. when barkley re-injured when barkley injured his ankle and that freak accident like he's just not he was finally working his way back and then now like that was just another setback and the giants are not very good so i just don't think we can count on a true every down roll i think he'll lead this backfield but I think it's going to be probably a little more evenly split moving forward um, just because it's kind of like, what's the point? Upset of the day. Lions took down the Cardinals 30 to 12. Detroit covered as 13 point dogs. Obviously undercashed at 48. This one reminded me of that Cowboys Broncos game. Now I understand the Lions aren't really as good as the Broncos or anything, but I just kept waiting and waiting and waiting for Kyler and company to figure it out. And they really never did. We got a Christian Kirk touchdown at the end, but this one really was all Detroit from start to finish. Give some credit to Jared Goff. He has some pearls out there, man. Amon Ross St. Brown beautiful 37 yard touchdown on a wheel we have now seen him turn in eight plus catch performances in three straight weeks and he scored twice in those wide receiver six in week 13 wide receiver 26 in week 14 i would be surprised if he's not a top 10 receiver again after everything is said and done in week 15 so Dwayne, i got a ton of start sick questions about amon ross st brown you know i tried to go with them a lot but is wide receiver like three too low at this point i mean i know we can't trust everything in this offense but as long as Hawkinson's out, Swift's out, Jamal's out. Like, there's only one ball to go around. Goff has looked look competent enough throughout the year, and particularly in recent weeks. I mean, 
This wasn't supposed to be a great matchup, but Amon Ross St. Brown, he's getting so much damn volume, man. Do we do the unthinkable and move a Detroit Lions wide receiver inside the top 24 down the stretch? Or is this a situation where like, hey, we got Amon Ross St. Brown getting some volume. We got Craig Reynolds getting more volume, 26 carries, 112 yards. But we just also need to recognize this was kind of rare to see them play with positive game script again. Maybe this is, you know, more of a blip on the radar than something to truly think is going to persist over these final weeks. Yeah, I like Amon Ross St. Brown. Um, third consecutive week, 30% plus target share. He had 42% today with 11. I I will be upgrading him to a low-end wide receiver too. We're um, going tomorrow. it. We're doing top 24. You have to. I Let's mean, there's just it, too man. many targets. And look. Great day to be great. Yeah, it's not like Jared Goff hasn't supported slot receivers before. Not to say that this is Cooper Cup, but Cooper Cup had great you know seasons with Jared Goff. Not what he's having this season. Um, but yeah, I think Amon Ross St. Brown is getting enough work, and you hit the nail on the head. Swift's not there to work underneath. TJ Hawkinson's not there to work intermediate. So really, it is St. Brown. And the thing I like about him is he's done well against man coverage and against zone coverage. His targets per route run are strong against both. Which whenever you look at the really good receivers in the league, they do that. There are others that are more hit or miss every week that sometimes we struggle to explain. And what you'll notice is like, yeah, they get 15% targets per route run against zone. They get 30% against man. Or it's typically the opposite. They'll see a little bit more like 20% against zone. And then whenever they get manned up, like they only get 12%. So it's good to see that he's actually, and it's a small sample still, but for what we have, um, that's what we have to go off of. And so I think every indicator right now for St. Brown look really good. Moving on to, oh, actually, real quick, Craig Reynolds went for over 100 yards, 26 yeah. carries, got banged up early on. You know, anytime you see a running back wearing number 46, you know, your expectations are pretty low. But to his credit, a couple times, showed a little burst there, had a long of 27. I, there was one run in particular where he had a nice spin, kind of reverse field. With that said, Dwayne, it looks like that they're still keeping Goblin involved I would and Jamar Jefferson. I would think that Jamal Williams, at a minimum, has a chance of coming back down the stretch run. Yeah, when the Lions can be up 17-0 at halftime and Craig Reynolds can run the ball 20-plus times, of course he's going to be a great fantasy asset. But as I pull up their schedule here down the stretch, how confident are you in potentially treating him as again a high tier running maybe not a high tier running back but at least as maybe a recommended start against the falcons and against the seahawks because those aren't bad man and if we're getting 20 plus touches per yeah, week those even are, on those in are a offense. yeah um yeah i just think it's a matter of the lions like the thing that you said early on is the key they led the whole game yeah. and that's been the key like the lions actually and i've written about this in the utilization report like They've wanted to be more of a run-balanced offense when they grow up. They just never had a chance to grow up this season. This right here is actually what, like, Jay Moyer and other folks, when they talked about Jamal Williams early in the season and how much they liked him, this is the role Jamal Williams would have had if the Lions were good, yeah. right? And so, like, this is what we could have seen. Now, to Craig Reynolds' credit, like, he's playing really well. Like, you know, 12% uh, you know, of his carries are going for 10 yards or more, 3.8 yards after contact. So, I mean, he's – like he's surprised he's definitely opening some eyes now i think if you get jamal williams back that's going to make things really nasty then you're either going to end up with a committee because you know they're going to give jamal williams touches right or it's just going to all go to jamal so i think that's the key they're both battling for the same role and then you've got a situation where you really need the lions to trail they haven't or to lead the game they have not done that all season only a couple of times have they been able to play like they did today actually only one time has been able to lead as much as they did today um so yeah i think we just got to keep an eye on williams if we hear williams is going to be out 
for some reason, the Lions could just choose not to play him. Like, what's, you know, again, what's the point, you know, playing a player that you could get hurt late in the season? At this point, if a player gets hurt, right, and it's an ACL or something like that, they're missing time next year, potentially, right? So um, I know players heal a lot quicker than they used to, and medicine's come a long way, but I don't see the need to risk it. So if we heard Williams was out, I would be okay ranking Reynolds. He'll either be a low-end RB2 or more like that high-end RB3. I think that's fair. And just real quick on Jamal, because I have seen some discourse across social media suggesting like, oh my gosh, the Lions paid Jamal Williams. And then we got the Cardinals paying James Conner like this one-year deal. That's such a better, such a better idea to pay Conner instead of Jamal Williams. Like, guys, there's a little bit of a difference between being in the Cardinals offense and the Lions. Jamal has actually averaged an extra half yard per carry than James Conner this year. Obviously, he doesn't have the same amount of touchdowns because Kyler freaking Murray isn't his quarterback. But hey, in this one, it was better to have Jared Goff as your quarterback. So Kyler and company, again, it just, to me, it felt like that Cowboys-Broncos game where they never got going until the end of the um, the fourth. With that said, though, Dwayne, I think that Broncos game for the Cowboys was a little flukier than this one. That would be the difference. Like, the Lions just kind of beat the Cardinals' ass, for lack of a better word, throughout <laughs> this one, man. That's That was what was happening. They looked a little bit soft out there, to be honest with you. And that really, you can see that with Reynolds having all the success he did on the ground. So, Kyler, real disappointing game in fantasy. Only three rushing yards. And again, this is not like something that has to do with the injury. He has looked as fast as ever since coming back from that issue. Just didn't have the rush attempts to, to really get going today. 257 yards passing, one touchdown, one pick. Luckily, he did enable Christian Kirk. I answered a ton of start sick questions with Kirk, and I was getting nervous about 30 minutes into the game because he was not doing well. He did finish with nine catches, 94 yards, and a score on a team-high 12 targets. We also saw Zach Ertz really get a lot more involved um, than past weeks. You know, we were kind of thinking that he could be the new red zone target hog without DeAndre Hopkins involved. We had some uncertainty with Ertz being questionable going in this one with a hamstring injury. Ultimately, those six catches, 74 yards on 11 targets. Shout out to A.J. Green, four catches, 64 yards. Didn't pull away by any stretch. And with that said, though, nice contested catch downfield. And he also made a uh, nice little play where he broke a tackle or two, man. He has looked better over the past two weeks. Now, facing backup Rams, cornerbacks, and the Lions. So I'm not saying that he's, you know, been toasting great competition. At a minimum, though, A.J. Green has far surpassed basically everybody's preseason expectations. Not completely washed just yet. Only real sheesh from this one was actually goes to Antoine Wesley towards the end of the game. Kyler hit him for a potential 30-yard score, but he got one foot down and his second foot hit the pylon, which does not count as a touchdown. So he was out of bounds. I'm not necessarily blaming Wesley. I think Kyler probably could have put the ball a little more in bounds. He was kind of let out of bounds to go get the ball in the first place. But just keep in mind that we were inches away from Kyler adding a 30-yard touchdown to the tally. Dwayne, the big takeaway, though, utilization speaking, was the return of Chase Edmonds. And we got to take it with a little bit of grain of salt because, you know, James Conner was fairly banged up with the knee injury coming into this. With that said, Chase Edmonds was back, man. It did not look like that they said, you know, hey, Conner, you've played so well over the past two months. Here's the job. It looks like we're back to a one-two punch. Yeah, 44% of the snaps to Connor, 39% to Edmund. Now, Jonathan Ward was out there at the end with Colt McCoy. So 15% of the snaps went to Colt McCoy, um, you know, in garbage time, and 15% went to Jonathan Ward. So I'll have to dig into it a little deeper tomorrow. Like, what did it look like up until that point? But here's the positive for Connor is Connor had not been the lead back 
like before Chase Edmonds got hurt. Remember, it had really been Chase Edmonds as the lead back, even though he wasn't getting as many carries as Connor, and Connor was really more the change of pace. So it does look like Connor's going to lead the backfield. To your point, we'll have to see how much the injury matters. But Edmonds is involved enough, in that I think you've got to downgrade Connor to that mid-range RB2, low-end RB2. You know you're probably going to need a touchdown like to make it work because here's the biggie. 67% of the long down and distance went to Chase Edmonds. They didn't utilize the two-minute offense. Weird. Yes, another team that trailed the whole day. Um, and some of this stuff gets changed with the way it gets charted. Like So the data we're sharing with you guys is like hot off the presses. Hasn't been through the whole QA process and everything yet. Um, so um, – with Edmonds, he's definitely got a role. So I think it does hurt Connor. Like, and you know, we just got used to having Connor in an every down role in, and you knew that, like, wow, this guy can give me 30 points a week. So you're not getting that. Now you're hoping for 15 to 20, and you're probably going to need a touchdown to get there. Um, the good news for Connor, um, I mean, he was still utilized in the passing game. Targets per route run 12%. Only had 4% of the targets total, but just wasn't in his wasn't out there for as many of the routes. You know, we had seen him up there in the 60, 70% range, now only 33% of the routes for Connor. So Chase Edmonds, though, I think really you just have to at this point, you know, I know early in the season you and I were pretty high on him because um, his utilization and everything was there. Probably just an RB3 at this yeah. point. I don't think you can grade him any higher than that. Now we could change that next week. But my guess is Connor stays the lead role and Chase Edmonds really plays the role that he's probably best at, which is he's really the passing down back and a change of pace back to James Connor, but gets a little bit more than like your typical, you know, change of pace kind of guy. The um, one, the, uh, real quick, yeah, the ahead, one sorry. potential, it's not going to be huge, but it could help him get a few fancy friendly targets. Rondale Moore did come up with an injury report with an ankle injury. So as we've talked about, you know, Antoine Wesley replaces Hopkins in three wide receiver sets. I understand Rondale has been off the fancy grid uh, for quite some time now, but we've seen flashes where they do use Rondale in the backfield in that low A dot passing role. And that is where Edmonds also throws. So that's another big storyline for the offseason. Rondell Moore is going to have to develop. He's going to have to develop into more than just this behind the line of scrimmage gadget player. Like we need to see him use more down the field. For the Um, love of God, Cliff, you've already ruined Isabella. Don't yeah. take Rondell Moore from us. <laughs> yeah, come on, man. Like, run after catch doesn't mean that they have to catch it two yards behind the line of scrimmage. Thank you. Like, they could, they could catch it three yards past the line of scrimmage. It's legal. It's legal in America, man. <laughs> it is legal. Uh, yeah, I guarantee you Kyle Shanahan probably wouldn't be using him like this. Well, that's probably not the best example. Kyle Shanahan would find a reason to bench him. But anyway. That's true. <laughs> uh, Christian Kirk, uh, man, upgrade for this guy. 96% of the routes. You know, the, the only Ooh. challenge for Kirk all year, Ian, has just been there's so many mouths rotating in and out like these mouths that you got to feed and as we were on good weeks we would see routes you know route partition participation numbers around 70 percent now getting a 96 percent his targets per route run have been the best on the team all season along with zach Ertz. so now if you're going to be out there 90 to 95 percent of the routes and you're going to get this kind of targets per route run continuing you know we saw lots of goodness from kirk in that stretch before whenever we were without hopkins so i think we'll see that again and man nice nice for him because he's getting used all over the field he gets used underneath gets used intermediate but he's also the best deep threat that they have right now on the team so 12 targets nine receptions 94 yards and a touchdown so you did a good job today making the recommendation of Christian Kirk as the start. I think looking at him right now, I don't know what I'll do. He's definitely, in my opinion, right now, he's a high-end wide receiver three. But he yeah. could, if he lead, if he continues this and does this another week, you know, I mean, he could be heading in. Like if some of you folks play like these playoff challenges where you got to draft a team, like Kirk's probably a wide receiver two in that format. 
Yeah, I'm checking right now. I think I what did I have him this week. Had him wide receiver 27 this week. I think that sounds probably about the same going forward. Yeah, and I think yeah, that's if, about where I had him too. Somewhere right in there. And if we can get any level of consistency, obviously ceiling is the moon for anyone that can be lucky enough to be Kylo Murray's number one pass game option. Dolphins took down the Jets seven or six in a row for these guys. Absolutely, absolute madness. Good for them. Dolphins 31, Jets 24. Jets did cover as a 10-point dog over cashed at 42. Tua, man, he does this. And we've talked about how bad the offensive line is. Truly second worst pass blocking grade in our PFF database going all the way back to 2006. But he throws one or two just terrible picks a game. And I think, you know, if you're just a red zone viewer, which I don't blame you, I wouldn't, you know, if this wasn't my job, I wouldn't be trying to watch every snap of Dolphins Jets either. Um, But when you kind of look back and look at the more complete picture, uh, you see it wasn't as bad as it, you know, really looks on the stat sheet sometimes. Two interceptions, though, and they were ugly. The second one really, you know, didn't lose them the game because they won, but throwing, you know, a bad late pick six to the flat in a game that, you know, you had a two-score lead in, not good. This was like Dak Prescott interception against Washington levels bad um, that we saw from last week. So not the best day from Tua. It was helpful to see him condense his targets around. Mike Tosicki and Devontae Parker in the absence of Jalen Waddle. Both guys had eight targets. Parker managed to find the end zone on a short slant. Also caught four balls yet again for 68 yards and looked pretty damn good out there. So, you know, hey, we did see some good balls from Tua. Parker had a nice 37-yard game. 27-yard uh, uh, gain from Isaiah Ford. Tua just dropped in a bucket over the shoulder that was a great throw uh but again you know it's it's just for a one-week thing hopefully our guy Jalen Waddle is off the COVID list ahead of next week and then it's going to be tough to treat Parker as anything more uh than either uh, I would probably say upside wide receiver four I think it'll be tough to kind of squeeze him in that top 36 uh once Waddle managed to return perfectly fine flex option though in deeper leagues and as for Mike Tosicki we continue to have top tier usage just not making the most out of it so he's going to continue to kind of meander around that tight end one borderline I get it if you're not thrilled to keep going back to the well but Dwayne I've you know why have I not start with the main event? Duke Johnson's world. We are just leave, living in it. 22 carries, career high. 107 rushing yards, career high. Two scores on the ground. Also chipped in 20 receiving yards. This was not empty. I understand the Jets' league-worst defense and fantasy points per game allowed to running backs, but Duke had 81 of his 107 yards after contact and now joins a list featuring only Nick Chubb and Dalvin Cook as players to force at least 10, count them, 10 missed tackles on rush attempts in a single game this year. And, bro, like, I think it's even further. I need to cheat and, like, take – when we have our uh, fancy PFF Ultimate – the first thing we have to do when we go into it is hit no plays like off because that takes away holdings and things like that. Plays that didn't count. No plays. But Duke had this like 20, 25 yard run that got called back on a hold where he broke like three or four tackles in one place. So truly, you know, even if I did not, even if I didn't spend the last five years standing for Duke Johnson every chance I got on Twitter, I would still be hard pressed to say anything other than excellent performance from the U's all time leading rusher. So Dwayne, we need need to wonder though like Miles Gaskin got off the COVID list late you know this was coming out of the bye but maybe Miami did feel like he wasn't quite ready to go to Gaskin's credit I mean 10 carries 54 yards he was hardly a liability out there himself what do you kind of make of this backfield moving forward because as much as I would love to sit here and say Duke Johnson you know RB1 season is here to stay I do think we probably could see this split up a little bit more evenly in future weeks 
Yeah, I think the thing that we have to you know acknowledge though is that this has been one of the toughest backfields to figure all season anyway. Like this yeah. is a team that kept Malcolm Brown involved way too <laughs> long until he forced their hand with an injury. I think the good news is Duke at least like has performed well enough in my opinion. Like that he shouldn't be behind Ahmed. He shouldn't be behind uh, you know Malcolm Brown, Patrick Laird, any of these other types. Like to me, they should isolate this thing down to Duke Johnson, Miles Gaskin. Um, I think it is a bit difficult to read the situation because, like you mentioned, you got Gaskin coming off the COVID list late, so it could have been a conditioning thing. They may have just said, "Hey, we're just going to basically use you more, you know, as a, a change of pace guy, you know, today, and you know, in the future, you're going to get more of a featured role back." But at the same time, like they have not fully ever at any point this season gone all in on Miles Gaskin. Yeah. So it's not like they love Miles Gaskin. I think they like the idea of having a committee. So I think we'll probably see these two backs remain involved. We'll wait and we'll have to see. The next thing you know is they'll send him back to the practice squad first thing on Monday. You know, and we'll be like, okay, what the hell's going on? Um, so we'll have to keep an eye on it. But I think it's it's a fluid situation. I know we'll have to talk about it on the waiver show. I mean, right now, like looking at the rest of the league, like you're looking at him, you're looking at Craig Reynolds, they all kind of have similar questions, right? A lot of it depends on like what happens with the other backs on the roster. But, you know, I feel like I need to run down the stat line since it is Duke Johnson. Um, you don't get these moments all the time, Ian. But Thank you, sir. But 58% of the snaps, 28% of the routes. So that is where Miles Gaskin was slightly ahead at 38%. But rushing attempts, 59% for Duke, 29, 26% for Miles Gaskin. Short down and distance, 67% to uh, Duke Johnson, only 33% for Miles Gaskin. And then whenever you look at the um, the underlying metrics behind the rushing attempts, you hit on some of this, but this is percentages, 45% missed tackle force per attempt, uh, yards after contact, 3.7. Um, point of attack change, meaning like a lot of times this is to do with bad offensive line. You got to redirect 18%, but his explosive rate was still 18%. So those are carries of 10 yards or more. And that's often hard to do when you've got a high POA change, keeping those explosive plays high. Um, only stuffed 9% of the time, whereas Miles Gaskin was stuffed on 20% of his carries. So yeah, man, Duke had a really good game. Um, it's one I got to let marinate a little bit more and we got to figure out what we're going to say on the waiver wire show. Because I know Ian's just going to say, hey, you got to drop all the money. <laughs> this is my man like you would think that based on this and like Cordero Patterson's year that I would just be rolling in fantasy success not saying it's been a bad year by any stretch but you know I really do try hard not to let my personal feelings get in the way of this uh, so no like I didn't have 100% Cordero Patterson best ball exposure I was hesitant to get on that train early in the year we try to keep it objective here did on you PFF use Duke today in DFS football. at least no Gaskin was back I used Gaskin <laughs> Oh man, it sucked. I wish you would have been like texting me saying to use Duke. I used Michael Carter, and and anyway, we'll get to that in a minute. (laughs) Best money I've ever donated to DraftKings. It's all good. With the Jets, Zach Wilson, just another pretty mad performance. Took six sacks in this one. He had one six scramble where he broke like three tackles, but I seem like that almost gave him like too much confidence to keep running around the rest of the game. Uh, Yeah, just again, like Trevor Lawrence, the fact that he can't even put up numbers in garbage time, not saying there was a ton of that in this one, but that really has been my biggest like negative takeaway from this situation all season long. Hopefully he can grow up in a big way ahead of 2022 because it continues to be borderline impossible to trust any of these pass game options, particularly in the post-Elijah Moore, Corey Davis era we got going on. Jameson Crowder easily led the way with eight targets this week, but we continue to see Denzel Mims, Keelan Cole, and Braxton Berrios involved. Early on in the game, they were 
force feeding Barrios. They actually gave him like a toss sweep at the goal line. It looked like he was planning on throwing it for a second, but then took it in for a rushing score himself. So that's why Barrios is on the stat sheet with a rushing score. But Dwayne, we talked about Crowder. He's nothing more than, you know, a hate yourself wide receiver four at best at this point, I think. <laughs> That's a new one. That's a good one. That's so much better than most of my usual uh, industry standard lingos. That's better than the Girl Scout with a gun in your door. she always works her way in this damn podcast we gotta give her a name at some point Uh, but the big story is this rushing attack and it was disappointing man because Michael Carter I know he didn't have the best stats 8 carries 18 yards but he looked pretty damn explosive early on he's been you know I I put out these charts every week where on the Y axis it's like missed tackles force per carry X X axis is the yards after contact and you see Carter like in some really good company he's been one of the league's slippier backs you know we were getting the reports saying like hey he's going to come back to a featured role the Jets seem to be behind it we even got Ty Johnson healthy scratched but ultimately Dwayne Tevin Coleman stole the show and he was productive uh, uh, to be fair but man maybe it was because it was Carter's first game off IR but I'm guessing this utilization is not ideal for anyone thinking that they might have you know an RB2 on their hands and Michael Carter down the stretch yeah, sorry for the deep inhale uh, prayers up for Chris Godwin just took a no, direct hit to the knee no yeah, so bent in a weird way. Uh, they had just done the big the big slot thing, too, where they put up Reggie Wayne, Hines Ward, and Larry Fitzgerald in the Arians offense, and the next play this thing happens. But anyway, for Michael Carter, uh, sorry, Ian, I know, I, 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 need, I need Chris Godwin healthy. But Michael Carter, 54% of the snaps versus 33, 37% for Coleman, so he did lead the team today. Um, routes was also out there more 47% versus 25%, but they really shared the work on the ground. 38% to Carter, 38% to Tevin Coleman. And you have to get Austin Walter involved. Like, I mean, like it's, it's written, like it's hard coded, like into the (laughs) offensive coordinator. Like it's, it's just a, it's, it's just binary numbers and it's in there. Like there's no, you can't break the code. It's gotta happen. 10% of the rushing attempts to um, Austin Walter. And you got 73% though, the long down and distance to Carter, 100% of the two minute offense. So he does have the passing down work back. You had Ty Johnson as a healthy scratch today. So I think there are positives there with Carter, but at the end of the day, like, it's like, okay, we've got three backs that are involved, really two there, but there's one that's enough to be a nuisance. Cause think if that makes Carter's rushing attempts, 50%, instead of 38% would feel a little bit better, right? So that 10% from Walter is a pain in the ass. Um, and it's a bad team. Like they can't move the ball. Like they're just very inefficient. So it's it's tough anytime you've got a three-way uh, committee on a bad team. That just makes it tough to, to get much mileage out of it from a fantasy perspective. But I, I am encouraged by the passing down usage. Um, so I think that's a positive. And, and maybe, maybe it's his first week back. Maybe we can get back to, you know, now we're running out of time here, right? We only have a few more <laughs> weeks, but maybe we can get back to that little short span that we saw there for a while, for like two or three weeks, where Carter was ba- not the every down back, but he was for sure getting like 60% of the workload. I think if we could get there, We'll be in a good spot. But I think for now, we have to consider him really as a high-end RB3. I think the passing down usage is very positive, but you have to keep an eye on Ty Johnson. If he comes back into the mix, then you can see the passing down work you know, go down. 
Bengals took down the Broncos 15 to 10, covering as a three point dog under cash at 44. Prayers up for Teddy Bridgewater, suffered a scary injury, got put on a stretcher and carted off the field. Luckily, though, we have received reports already that, you know, he has full mobility and they're just saying it was a concussion. So in the hospital and everything, but it sounds like it's not too bad for Teddy. So just wanted to get that out of the way. But first on the Bengals here, Joey Burrow, not the best game. You know, it's hard to say anyone really balled out with just 15 total points scored, but we did see him at least win the game via a long hookup to Tyler Boyd, 56 yards to the house and that was really their only high-end producer on the day five catches 96 yards and a score for Boyd I've seen them briefly use him in this way. We're like the touchdown. He was kind of like lined up in the slot, but it was really close to the line of scrimmage. And they ran that play that's usually for tight ends where they kind of run that like big wheel. They try to get like lost mm -hmm. in kind of the mess. And then they emerge from the other side. And it was gorgeous because it's not a tight end. It's Tyler freaking Boyd, who's actually got some, uh, you know, juice in the open field. And it reminded me of the Jaguars game, which I believe was his other great performance this year. Like first play of the game, they do the play action boot. And instead of dumping it to a tight end, the flat it was Tyler Boyd and he took it like 40 yards instead of 15 so maybe that's the route in the future that they could kind of get Boyd more consistently involved in this offense because it's not like this year like he's been busting because he's had a ton of opportunities not making any use out of it it's been the opposite he just hasn't had he's been the clear-cut third option a year after leading this entire offense and targets but that's what happens when they just don't want to give the ball to Burrow 22 pass attempts in this game man like what's where are these receivers supposed to do and it's been the story all year long in 2020 burrow had 10 games he played 10 games he threw the ball 35 plus times and eight of them and in the game he got hurt he was at 34 in like the third quarter so basically nine out of 10 games he cleared 35 pass attempts this year in week 15 He's hit 35 pass attempts four times. So that's why Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, like even when they have been going well and having big weeks, neither of which happened today. T. Higgins, two catches, 23 yards. Jamar Chase, just one catch for three yards. I would note that he had a nice like 40-yard catch on a broken play that unfortunately got nullified on a hold. But man, like without this volume, Dwayne, it just becomes so tough to get behind these guys. And it's going to be a major problem, you know, in trying to project them into the 2022 and beyond because you know as we as we always talk about volume is the king and right now in this run first Bengals offense there's just not enough to go around for these three studly receivers uh in the run game though we did see joe mixon 17 carries 58 yards but once again man samaje piran was seeing more targets and actually mixing at the end of the game did get banged up Happened twice. The first time he went in the locker room, quickly came back, got back out on the field. But then he once again got hurt and had to stay down extra long. He was moving around the sideline after, but it's definitely going to be something to keep an eye on ahead of week 16. But yeah, Dwayne, I mean, I don't think there's like too much new stuff to talk about in Cincy. No. We don't have much pass game volume and it'd be a lot cooler <laughs> if Mixon had the pass down rule. Yeah, it's pretty much the same. It's it's like we've said. Piran's got the passing down work, and you got too many mouths to feed in an offense that just doesn't want to throw the ball enough. But like you're going to keep playing Higgins, you're going to keep playing Chase, like just because the the boom is really big for both players. Just we haven't had we haven't seen you know the bust that often with these two, especially in the same game. Usually one of them manages to go off, and this week it was kind of the anomaly. It was actually Tyler Boyd that went off. Now. For the Broncos, mentioned Teddy getting hurt. Was not doing much before. I mean, 98 passing yards on 22 yeah. pass attempts. We just were not seeing Teddy in the passing game get at all going. Drew Locke. 
did Drew Locke things, man. And this is, you know, I, I love Drew Locke. And it's not because I think he's going to be this great quarterback. But very few quarterbacks can be entertaining even when they suck. And that's what Drew Locke consistently brings to the table. I mean, how many quarterbacks do you know, Dwayne, that lose a fumble and then chase down the guy that just took the ball from them and get it back? Like, okay, it, it got overturned. The defensive lineman was ruled down. But, man, we've, we've, we've seen Teddy two times this year, like, have situations where he tried to tackle someone and it just didn't even come close. And, like, both times I, like, ironically just said, like, you know, Drew Locke makes that tackle. That's, that's all I was going to say. Drew Locke actually didn't make the tackle when it was his chance to do so. Uh, yeah, and then at the end of the game, like fourth and 27 or whatever, you know, you just need to give your guys a chance. I know it's not going to work out. You know, Drew Locke throws the ball out of bounds. Doesn't give anyone a chance to catch it. So are these good things for fantasy managers or the Denver Broncos? Absolutely not, but it's a lot he, more he and Jerry Judy are nowhere near on the same page. I'll just say I, that. I, <laughs> watching those two today, I was like, God, this is like, this is like uh, you know, kind of like getting the cold shoulder kind of thing. You know, that's Judy's been the most one way the ball's going another it was bad that's been the most frustrating part for me man i know like i've been bitching and moaning about Cortland sutton being number five on this offense and targets with jerry judy um active for their like seven games together this year but i'd be so much more chill about this if like sutton wasn't doing anything and judy was balling out but we just have gotten zeros out of everyone involved in this passing game drew lock did manage to hit tim patrick for a nice 25 yard score uh cool contested catch situation where tim patrick proceeds to score and then just like hold his hand out like he was just insulting the cornerback for being too short i found it hilarious and i thought refs did not so they threw a taunting flag Dwayne, i hope like how were your kids in tears when they saw that like what was kind of the <laughs> mcfarland household's reaction man just brutal no no tears no tears <laughs> over it but yeah it's uh it's still brutal of course but, but yeah. Dwayne, with, with all that said man the judy pain the sutton pain i think at this point maybe the worst part is seeing noah fan albert O just completely cancel each other out like i you know i tweeted this week i want a petition man to have them just combined to be one person at this point because 10 targets eight catches 115 combined yards but they're splitting everything down the middle as are javante williams and melvin gordon so at this point Dwayne, you know javante and melvin i think they're going to continue to be right around that rb24 spot but similar to the Bengals, like i don't think much has really changed from this hopefully teddy's back if he's not then i think we can you know give moderate bumps to patrick and sutton but even if drew lock's going to target them more often we know the efficiency probably isn't going to be where we want it to be i would just think man moving Moving into week 16 and beyond, if you have a start-sit question, one of the players is a Bronco. Other than the running backs, probably. If one of your, one of your players is a pass catcher on the Broncos, I'm probably going to pick the other guy nine times out of ten. Yeah, and, and look, I, I know Judy and Sutton continue to like be inside our top 50 receivers, but it's still just a talent thing. Like It's, it's tough to get them much lower than that because we know how good of players they are. Um, so yeah, they'll be interesting to look at. Like, look, this, the Broncos just have to be all in on a quarterback. They've got to do like they did with Peyton Manning. They've got to go get another quarterback this off season. They've got the weaponry. They've got a defense like this team, man, this team could be, you know, I mean, with the right quarterback, like we could be talking like, you know, a Super Bowl candidate, like yeah. that's how good this team can be. Um, so they've just got to get something done there real quick on the backs. Um, we've kind of, so this trend has happened for three weeks in a row now. Um, you know, I guess it's uh, two weeks in a row because we had the non-Melvin Gordon week. But before that, 
So it's like three out of the last four weeks. We've seen Javante just really lead when both backs are available. Lead in the passing game, he did that again today. Uh, he handled 48% of the routes, only 26% to Gordon. Um, Javante Williams had 62% of the long down and distance, 80% of the two-minute offense. So um, they're really splitting the carries, 45%, 45%, but Javante really is the 1A now, and Melvin Gordon is the 1B on the offense. So I think Javante, like, at this point, like, you know, early in the early in the year, we were just more likely to get a bust out of him. I think you're less likely to get that now um, because I think he's more game script. Um, you know, he's protected in game scripts because if the Broncos do trail, like that passing down role is really going to come out and work for him. If they get ahead, we've seen it work for both backs. And if they're in close games, we've seen it work for both backs. So I think it's still a positive for Williams. I know we would all just love for him to have the whole role, but it's not <laughs> happening, folks. It ain't happening this year. We'll see what happens if they bring Gordon back or not. He had another just nasty highlight reel run. They were yeah. like in their own end zone. He finds a way to break like three or four tackles on his way to gaining 11, 12 yards. It wasn't, you know, the best run we've ever seen in NFL history where running back was starting off in their own end zone was Marion Barber about 14 years ago or it's so. Kind of, he's got some lynch to him as well. Like there's some yeah. beast mode, like, you know, kind of lurking with Javante yeah. Williams. I'm very excited about his future. You just see him rack up broken tackles, man. It's not like he's just making the first guy miss. He's like making the first three. So fun to watch. And, you know, he's it is fun. Awfully young. Uh, here's to hoping all wheels up in 2022. Uh, just final note. I didn't think it was really a drop, but it was uh, it put in the area. Cortland Sutton could have had a 35-yard score. I believe it was thrown by Teddy earlier in the game. Right on the money, like it basically was hitting him in the chest, but Eli Apple also just had really good coverage and shot his hand in at the last second. So we got close with Sutton, but yeah, it's impossible to trust him as anything more than a boom or more likely bust wide receiver four at best here moving forward. Two more games only had nine on this slate. So Dwayne and I, I think, are actually going to keep this under two hours. For once, 49ers took down the Falcons 31-13. to This one was just not all that close. Excellent game from Jimmy Garoppolo. And it's been more good than bad for Jimmy ever since they got all their weapons back about halfway through the year. Obviously, Kittle was hurt. And Ayuk, you know, was just chilling in Kyle Shanahan's doghouse. So you put everyone in this offense, good things tend to happen. So shout out to Jimmy G. Just five incompletions on 23 attempts, 235 yards and a score. Unfortunately, we just didn't get like a bigger fantasy performance because when they got down near the end zone, we had Jeff Wilson scoring a rushing touchdown. Debo Samuel get another rushing touchdown. Even Kyle Juszczyk had a six-yard rushing score. So George Kittle got his with six catches for 93 yards. It was great to see Debo Samuel not back to normal as a receiver, but at least getting four catches for 60 yards. Like Dwayne, week 10 was the last time before today that he had even more than one catch in a game. So slight improvement from Debo. Now, the problem is that Brandon Ayuk ended up being the odd man out of the situation. Just one catch for 36 yards. So they're going to go ahead and face the... Who do they have next week? It's not the... They have the Texans in two weeks. They have the Titans on Thursday. So the way the Titans are playing, man, it's not a guarantee that Jimmy G is going to be forced to throw the ball 30, 40 times. Clearly, Kittle is the alpha. He deserves to be it right now. But just realize with Debo and Ayuk, a little bit of a question in terms of who's going to be the guy, particularly with Juwan Jennings, man, more and more becoming a consistent part of this offense. He did score a short touchdown himself. Six targets tied for the team high with George Kittle. But I feel like we kind of know we know Debo he's doing his rushing thing six carries 29 yards another score and he leads the league man seven seven yards per carry is absolutely bonkers 5.5 after contact trails only a true stud and Duke Johnson and missed tackles force per carry 
But man, it's Jeff Wilson, the usage that is really sticking out to me here. 21 carries, 110 yards and a touchdown. You know, hopefully you kept going back to the well with this guy. I know he's disappointed us in his previous two fantasy starts. But for once, man, they were willing to keep him on the field the whole time. I mean, Jermichael Hasty had one carry, ripped off a nice 13-yard gain, really wasn't seen from again. So I would hope, Dwayne, that Elijah Mitchell is ready to go by next week. You know, he was someone that seemed to be trending a little bit better working off on the side. With that said, it is a quick turnaround back to Thursday night. With this usage, man, it's going to be hard to keep Jeff Wilson out of that RB1 zone. Yeah, and this is why utilization matters. Like, um, because even last week, like this is the same, almost the same utilization as last week. You know, as far as his his routes are a little higher this week at 60%, but the rushing attempts are the same, 66%. He was right around 60% last week. But remember last week, the Niners, even though they were leading, they decided to throw the ball. Um, and so there was just let, the pie wasn't as large for Wilson to get all the carries. I think he had 12 or 13 last week. The same basic role turned into 21 carries today and the same type of script leading. And, and again, so that, that's where utilization can help you like – not get off of a player too soon or maybe get over onto a player like quicker, like whenever you're seeing these sort of things happen. So I use Wilson like today for sure, like in everywhere that I could almost every DFS lineup I had, you know, I had him in there just because we know it's a run heavy offense with the Niners and the role looked really good. Use check. Yes. Did still a touchdown like on the first drive, then Debo, the next drive down <laughs> stole the touchdown. So he's, he's not going to get all the touchdowns. Um, but still, uh, he's in a good spot where I think he's for sure a rock solid RB2, but I think he gives you that upside to get to RB1 territory as any 49er running back does because of how much they like to run the ball. Um, Debo Samuel, 92% of the routes this week. So that was an increase last week. He didn't get over 80%. And then to your point, over the last several games, only has had over the last three weeks healthy, getting rid of the game where he left early with the growing injury, 8% target share over that stretch, 23% today. So that was definitely a bump up. And his rushing attempts are right where they've been over that th same three-game stretch, 21% of the design rushing plays have gone to Debo Samuel, 19% today. So it looks like he's basically locked into this role of he's going to see 20% of the rushing attempts because he's done it with Mitchell. He's done it with Wilson. He's done it with everybody. So that role is probably staying there. More the thing that's going to be up or down every week, right, is what's going to happen for sure with, you know, Debo Samuel's receiving workload. Now, he has been huge against zone, not as big against man coverage. So I haven't even looked at the next two matchups. Of, I think you – who did you say? The, the Texans. Titans and Texans. Yeah. Titans. AFC South, let's go. Okay, yeah. So neither one of those are, are super heavy um, in zone or man. They're more balanced. So we'll have to wait and see. But – Samuel comes through with a rushing touchdown again. Like you just can't, I guess you just can't stop him. Like at some point, like I don't see how this continues to work and, and that's going to hurt Debo when it doesn't come through, but maybe the 23% target share is encouraging enough that, you know, we could, we could see another 30, 35% or like what we got used to seeing early in the season from Samuel. But right now we know it's just George, it's George Kittle's world, right? Like the rest of the 49ers are just living in a 27% target share. Yeah, I know it's down from the previous two weeks where he was at 41% and 41% both of those weeks, but man, Kittle, 34% of the air yards, 4.4 yards per route run. Like he is just like, he is just going complete beast mode right now on everything. Um, so Kittle, you know, if you've got him, good for you. Like I don't, I just, <laughs> you're, you're like, it's just a huge advantage, man. Like to, to have a tight end playing this way. I know, I know we had Kelsey and Andrews go off this week. <clears throat> so Kittle won't be as high, highly ranked, but if you've got him in your fantasy playoffs, you're in a great spot. 
Great tweet. Great Twitter account. Kyle at Nix underscore tape 99. I don't know. I don't even know who this guy is or what he does. I think he does some stuff with underdog fantasy. But anyway, he tweeted, Kittle is a bull in a China shop every time he gets the ball. And I could not describe it better. That's what he is, man. And it is just a joy to watch him continuously break one tackle after another. Now, this game included, I think, the worst beat of the week in terms of just gambling gone wrong. And that was if you had over 47 and a half because the Falcons had drives end at the one yard line twice and then another one at the eight yard line on failed fourth down conversions. So, you know, this was a game where, yeah, you see the 31 to 13 score and you kind of assume the Falcons just got smashed, but it really was not fluky per se. You know, the 49ers did a good job stopping them, but you could have, you know, seen how a couple plays go different and Atlanta at least would not be getting blown out and it started from the beginning because Atlanta recovers a fumble on the opening kickoff Kyle Pitts gets you know right to like the one inch line or so Cordero Patterson originally gets a goal line touchdown kind of questionably overturned rule just short and then two more incompletions another stuff zero points on a drive that was at the one yard line with four downs to go and this was a disappointing game from my guy, CPAC. I couldn't have Duke and Cordero in the same week, Dwayne. I get it. The you know, fantasy football gods work in mysterious ways. This is one of them. But it's also not that surprising, man. Cordero, 11 carries, 18 yards, only had two targets. We've talked about this. Since coming back from his ankle injury, they you know really haven't been willing to use him as much as a receiver. He's still the lead back you know, as a rusher. Mike Davis only had six carries in this one. With that said, I think the days of having Patterson you know, close to that RB1 borderline are certainly over. He should be ranked much closer to RB24 than he is RB12. And that, and, you know, that's how we had it going in this week. So again, nothing too surprising, but he was able to score touchdowns in previous weeks and really didn't dud like this. And this is what happens when you're basically reduced to an early down uh, grinder without much of a pass game role. Luckily, the Falcons have given us, you know, in return for losing a little bit of Patterson's uh, luster, a truly high-end wide receiver three at this point. Russell Gage caught 8 of 11 targets, 91 yards in the score. This was incredible, man. Like, he showed off some good route running yeah. last week. He had a six sluggo, um, had a big game deep. But this one, man, the it wasn't even the route catches running. in this one. The, like the it was jump like three balls. or four of them, man. Yeah. Holy crap. The touchdown completely mossed the guy. He had another big one downfield, bailed out Matt Ryan another time or two. So, Ryan, I didn't think really had a very good game he hit an awesome deep ball to Alamide Zacchaeus for 49 yards and then same thing the Kyle Pitts down the sideline for a nice 49 yard gain that was cool to see Pitts get a little something going four catches 77 yards uh but yeah man Russell Gage really has just emerged as the number one receiver in this offense particularly with Cordero ba- Cordero Patterson taking such a big step back also had Tajay Sharp suffering a foot injury but Dwayne like the reason I think we were kind of a little bit more out not out on Gage throughout the year but Looking at this offense six weeks ago, it looked like, okay, CPAT and Pitts are going to be the top two pass game options. We'll see what Gage can get after that. Right now, man, Gage is their number one pass game option. It's becoming harder and harder not to just put him in the wide receiver two conversation itself. Yeah. I mean, I think we were actually probably, we were pretty bullish on Gage to, versus like yeah. where most people in the industry were. So hopefully a lot of the folks listening were able to to, to get on board with Russell Gage like about four or five weeks ago when we were talking about his targets per route run against man and zone and all the impressive things that he was doing as far as his open rates, all the underlyings. Like this guy's number one in the league right now against press man coverage getting open. Like he's ahead of, he's slightly ahead of Keenan Allen. Now he has less routes, but now you're seeing all this come to fruition like on the field. So I do think that Russell Gage is a player that, you know, his, you know, through 
you know, Ridley being out has gotten to really show off like his skill set. And, you know, I don't, I don't even know what his contract situation looks like Ian, I have to go look at it. Like, I know this is probably, it's gotta be like year four, I would think for Russell Gage, maybe year five. Um, but anyway, like, so this could be an, it could be another player that all of a sudden either a ends up with a larger role here or ends up in another destination next year and actually is a big contributor for an offense, but 39% target share today, 43% of the air yards, um, 11.2 average depth of target, 18% of his targets came 20 yards or more down the field, 47% of the time he's working in the slot, but he also works outside Kyle Pitts last week. We saw his routes per drop back, drop down. They did get back up this week over the 85% threshold targets per route run over the 20%, which is what we want to see 25% of the target. So Pitts again, having a nice year for a rookie tight end, just not quite what everybody really wanted, right? Whenever you drafted him in the first four rounds of your fantasy or first five rounds of your fantasy football draft. And then lastly, just real quick on CPAT, like the routes are still there. Ian. I haven't, I didn't get to break down. Like, I don't know if you already did, but I haven't got to break down like how many of them came outside, but 55% is about where he's been 55 to 60%. So I don't want to close the door. Um, I do think some of it could be to do with injury, um, but I think he should, you know, hopefully be getting healthy, you know, about now, like didn't, didn't grade out very well today, you know, in really any facet of the game, like rushing a 48.3 receiving a 53.3 PFF grade. So, um, you know, it could be to do with the injury, not performing as well, but all the underlying utilization is still there. 61% of the snaps versus 46% for Mike Davis rushing attempts, 58% versus 32%. But I think to your point, I think the biggest change here is they're giving him so much more of a workload on the ground it's almost like, do they want to protect him and not get, do they just not want to pile on too many touches to see Pat? Like, that's the only thing that I can think of. Um, but you would think in a game where you're just trying to win to hang on to any kind of chance, um, you know, you would see CPAT getting, getting more involved in the passing game, but we didn't see that today. Yeah. I don't even think uh, he wasn't, he's not even returning kicks. The best kick returner of all time wasn't returning kicks. So like something is clearly going on with uh, their usage with CPAT. Again, he's still the lead running back here, so we're not, you know, saying you need to completely fade the guy moving forward. Just keep in mind that ceiling isn't quite as high. And yeah, Dwayne, Russell Gage, unrestricted free agent in 2022. Uh, you know, I, I know Michael Gallup is kind of being one of the main headliners of that, at least the one that we talk about a lot. I'm sure Allen Robinson has a good chance to bounce back as well. Amongst many other guys, I'm forgetting Chris Goblin as well, who hopefully, by the way, questionable to return doesn't seem that bad but now mike evans is doubtful with a hamstring yeah. injury so buccaneers wide receivers dropping like flies but yes russell gage someone that hey you know when we keep it on keep on keeping on throughout free agency if we see some team lob you know 30 million over a couple years his way he could be a sneaky solid late round target in 2022 final game I think the most entertaining one of the day. Packers took down the Ravens 31 to 30. Baltimore covering as a nine and a half point favorite. Thanks to some of the heroics from Tyler Huntley over cashed at 45. Aaron Rodgers largely just excellent. Again, this offense has now scored 31 or more points in four straight games. And Rodgers had a couple throws to Marquez Baldur scaling that were just truly unbelievable. Yeah. He put one down the right sideline with three defenders uh, intervening. And he threw one down the middle where like the one just down the, the scene involved. with the safety over the top, like in the the linebacker God, underneath man. was that that is like that's what pinpoint accuracy looks like i wouldn't even try to make that throw in a video game like after a <laughs> bottle of wine and rogers is like out there absolutely just nailing it so great game from rogers 268 yards and three touchdowns 
just missed on two throws. Like first drive of the game, Adams ran a sluggo and got wide open deep. I don't think it would have been a score, but you never know. It's Devontae Adams. Minimum 40-yard gain, but Rodgers sailed it. And then later in the game, Alan Lazard was open in the corner of the end zone. Blown coverage where guys like ran up on the ball in the flat. Rodgers just sailed it out the back of the end zone. Missed them. That one especially hurt because it would have set the team passing touchdown record. But depending on, I mean, are they in Lambeau next week? That could be a blessing in disguise. Yeah, in Lambeau against the Browns next week. Now he gets to break Favre's all-time passing touchdown at home in front of the crowd. They'll give him a standing O, probably beg him to stay for a little more time. That's what they got to do, Dwayne. Like Green Bay Nation, when Rodgers throws that touchdown, you got to start chaining like one more year or five more years or whatever the hell. You guys figure it out. But uh, that's, uh, you know, what I think about that. But look, we know Devontae is a beast. Six catches, 44 yards, and a score. The touchdown was kind of crazy because it's like, how, how do you let Devontae Adams score at, at this point? You know he's great, but like, wouldn't you realize Rodgers is going to throw him the ball? The corner had inside help, and Devontae's route running was so damn good. He still got the cornerback to bite on the inside he before did it he to went him outside. Twice. He did it to him again. He did it to him again like two drives later, like when they needed a first down. And I get it. This is nothing but backup corners for Baltimore at this point. Jimmy Smith was a late um, guy that needed to be ruled out with COVID. Obviously, Humphreys and Peters uh, out of the picture as well. But truly, just some of the routes that he puts on the film are a sight to behold. Mentioned that sluggo that unfortunately didn't amount to um, anything earlier in the game. And also, shout out Marquez Baldis-Scantling, you know, benefiting from those throws from Rodgers. But at the same time, you know, caught a touchdown on a slant where we're seeing more and more them treat MVS as like a true number two receiver as a opposed to you know just a glorified field stretcher option so mvs more and more man i think is starting to flirt with that wide receiver three borderline if not in the top 36 already and we know just having aaron Rodgers under center that he's going to win you know some of those start sit battles and close uh, contests if it's close people pick the better offense and i think you won't be disappointed um a large percentage of the time only other point Alan Lazard, he did get hurt briefly. He almost made he a sick one-handed catch in the end zone, but he did come back in. So again, check out the waiver wire episode. It's always out on Tuesday. We'll have a better grasp on you know the league-wide injuries. Uh, but I believe both offenses managed to make it through relatively scot-free. Also, yeah, I think Mark Andrews was fine as well. But Dwayne, I think the big question here is what to make of this running back situation. You know, we've seen it kind of go back and forth in recent weeks. This one, Aaron Jones had 13 carries to AJ Dillon's seven. Uh, we did see Jones lead the way in targets two to one. AJ Dillon, though, and this to me actually means at least a little something. Like they have him out there on the hands team, so they must be okay throwing him the ball if they're putting him out there for onside kicks. And he did recover it to uh, ultimately end the game. So, what does uh, you know the utilization say behind the scenes? Because you know going in this week, I think I, I at least had both Dillon and Jones in my top twenty-four, and it does appear like they're uh, splitting things enough where if we can just get kind of more pure running back volume, I. Think I think both these guys can continue to produce at a fairly high level. Yeah, so really in the last two games when with Aaron Jones back, you know, from his MCL injury, we had seen Dylan continue with the role that he had before, um, you know, whenever Jones was out, which was handling over 60% of the rushing attempts. And that changed today. Today we saw Aaron Jones get 62% of the snaps, 49% of the routes, and 62% of the rushing attempts to only 33% for A.J. Dillon. Dillon's a nice player, but he's not explosive enough, like for me to continue to grade as a low-end RB2 
if his rushing attempts are going to drop to the 33% range. Like, I'm not going to make the move on him this week. I know we don't have that many weeks left, but this we could see more of a balanced approach, you know, next week. But this is actually what we saw more, uh, more so early in the season with the way they were using Aaron Jones. Now, one thing I have noted that's different um, is all of the short down and distance, 100% going to A.J. Dillon now. So that is your third down, fourth down, one to two yards to go. Again, also captures a lot of your goal line type carries. Those are going to Dylan, but he hasn't been good on them. And like he struggles to really punch the ball in. What I noticed with Dylan is like, He's not, you know, he's not a real violent runner, like at the point of contact. Like he's got to get going he, a little bit. He needs the build-up speed. He's not that instant, instantaneous, you know, explosiveness. And and Jones gives you that. So I'm almost wondering, like, I don't know. I, Aaron Jones has done really well playing down inside the five for his career, and I think that's a big part of it. Yeah, could he get injured because he's a smaller guy? Potentially, but man, he can he can get from zero to one hundred like really fast, whereas Dylan can't yeah. do that. So and I, I also that's... wonder, Dwayne, like, you know, if we're playing a video a video game and we're on the one yard line, you don't put goal line three tight ends and try to just ram it in there in the 11 man box. What do you usually do? You spread it out and you try to run against like a seven man box. And I think when Aaron Jones is back there, they're probably more likely to spread guys out versus Dylan. And just because I'm kind of catching myself here, I'm not trying to say that me playing video games, I know more than a. Uh, LaFleur and the Packers. They're a very good offense. They're very good at what they do. Uh, I'm just saying, like, again, I love when teams spread it out at the goal line versus just bunching things up. Like when the Patriots started doing that a couple years ago, coming out on goal line and then spreading things out, I just think there's a lot more you can do uh, instead of just jumbling everyone up into this big, like, rugby-esque uh, mosh pit. But apologies on that rant. Go ahead. <laughs> no, you got to establish it, though. You know, now, I think it's just a matter of, you know, there's more than one way to, to do these things. And I think, yeah. honestly, like the best way is to be able to always keep your opponent guessing and you can really do it either way right and then depending on the matchup and what you think is going to be best for your team you know that's the way you can approach it so we'll have to wait and see here with how they want to handle these backs but right now I think it's encouraging you know for if you're an Aaron's Jones um, fantasy manager and you're in the play you managed to make it into the playoffs despite him missing some time at the end I think this is a positive for him um you know, I, I kind of lean to the fact that this probably is going to be more what it's going to look like just because it was this was how it looked early in the season. To me, it kind of looks like they were letting Aaron Jones ease his way back in. But again, one data point, we could see it go back to like a 50-50 type thing um, next week. So I don't want to get like overly carried away with it. But MVS, um, you mentioned him earlier, you know, in the passes that Rodgers was able to hit him with. 79% of the routes, but the key thing led the team in air yards again, 51% of the air yards for the day. And he was tied for first in target share at 23%. So it's pretty much like either Valdez um, Scantling or Alan Lazard, one of these two guys is like going to do something like each week. Like we know Devontae Adams is going to get his, but there's a good chance of one of these other two. We can't always tell you which one it's going to be. Like that's the problem with it. Um, but because they don't run enough plays to really support three weapons unless they just get into an absolute like shootout mode. Um, but I think Valdez Scantling like is, the, is a picture perfect like uh, wide receiver boom bust play like high end wide receiver four because I, I think like his range of outcomes like he gives you a top 12 performance you know um, yeah. because he can come down with he hasn't came down with a lot he's been injured much of the year but now we're starting to see him healthy and so I like the way they're using him it's not just as a deep threat even though he does have a high dot. like he's doing some different things as well so I'm encouraged with, with what I'm seeing from MVS should also be encouraged what we saw from Tyler Huntley in this Ravens offense Ooh, yeah. as a whole. I mean, this group 
since all right, in week nine, they beat the Vikings 34-31. But here are the points scored by this offense, which includes, you know, two games from Huntley and three from Lamar. 10, 16, 16, 19, 22. Like, that was the problem here. Like, it wasn't, we kind of knew Huntley had this dual threat ability and everything, but this offense just looks so bad. And when you're facing a Green Bay defense that has looked really, you know, elite for large portions of the year, despite not having Jair Alexander and Zadarius Smith, um, you know, I think it was reasonable to be a little bit lower on Huntley than usual. Throw in just the fact that we didn't know until Jay Glazer, Awesome. Again, total strike before one o'clock that um, Huntley would be starting and not Lamar Jackson. Uh, I understand that people weren't fully able to get behind what ended up being arguably the best fantasy. I think it probably will be the best fantasy performance of the week. 73 yards on the ground, two scores, also chipped in 215 passing yards and another two scores, both of which went to our guy, Mark Andrews, 10 catches, 136 yards and two touchdowns. We all assumed when Travis Kelsey had that monster Thursday night game, I was like, all right, Kelsey's back. He's going to get his fancy tight end one spot back. Andrews isn't going down without a fight, so it's going to be really fun to watch uh, how that finishes up throughout the year. Uh, and I just really hope that you guys have listened when we say Kittle, Andrews, Gronk, Kelsey. These guys, if you have four of them, then try to convince your commissioner to add a flex because they need to all be in a starting lineup even if you are blessed enough to have two of fantasy's top four tight ends. So Andrews, if you want to rank him as the overall tight end one, tight end two, I don't care. Just start him in lineups of all shapes and sizes for the love of God. He is so good. I mean, Andrews, as a rookie man, I was really impressed with his ability after the catch. I didn't necessarily see that as much like last year. He's still scoring touchdowns and everything, but especially lately this year, man, there's nothing this guy can't do at a very high level. He has, again, just been a joy to watch for the better part of the entire season, particularly um, in this last four to six week hot stretch. But we also saw Mark Andrews had 13 targets. Marquise Brown, 14, but he put up, you know, he put up his version of like a Jalen Waddle, Rondale Moore stat line, caught 10 of them for just 43 scoreless yards, only a long of seven in this one. So this is kind of, I guess, it's not bad. I mean, in full PPR, like we'll take 10 catches eight days of the week. You just would like to see that boom come to fruition a little bit better. Not saying it won't be there. I mean, last week he was open for about 40 yard touchdown. Huntley just sailed it. If anything, I just think it's positive that Lamar, who I would expect to be back next week, but hey, maybe he gets hurt again or whatever. In the future now, knowing when Tyler Huntley's under center, I mean, this was not, this passing game has looked good the last two weeks, but when we saw him against the Bears, man, it was much more hit or miss. I think we don't need to really downgrade, particularly Andrews and Browns, um, all that much when it goes from Lamar to Huntley, particularly when we're going from a banged up Lamar uh, to Huntley as well. So, you know, God forbid there's no talking heads on, uh, the, on the internet or wherever tomorrow talking about about you know an actual QB competition in Baltimore but at a minimum you know I think they found themselves a very solid backup quarterback particularly one we can lean on in fantasy land unfortunately it continues to be just Andrews and Hollywood Rashad Bateman just two targets caught one of them for five yards and this one so Dwayne we got Andrews balling out we all know that Huntley giving us some nice dual threat maybe he'll be you know on that QB one uh, borderline here without Lamar but again I, I feel like Lamar is going to be back next week the real big takeaway from this from a fantasy perspective our Devontae Freeman RV two days are gone man Latavius Murray got the start I got worried and he just kept on getting fed at the end of the day man I mean it was only Latavius eight touches to Freeman six or excuse me, Freeman, seven touches. So they were still close, but we can't have close in an offense that has a quarterback this involved on the ground, whether it's Huntley or Lamar. This is bad, Dwayne. It's bad. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, Freeman still led the way, 55% of the snaps. Um, but yeah, rushing attempts, 33% to Freeman, 39% to Murray. And then Tyler Huntley handled 28% of the designed rushing attempts. So you got really this three-headed monster. Um, and, and I mean, Freeman's still out there for the passing down work, 54% of long down distance, 78% of the two-minute offense. So I mean, technically he's still the lead back. But yeah, that's just too much work for Murray um, because really it had just been – it had been – you know, Murray had been down in like the 20% range. And so we felt comfortable with Freeman with it, with it being like that. So, yeah, um, I think this is a downgrade for Freeman. It's only one week of data, but we have to react to what we have, right? We don't have much time left, you know, for the season. So it does look like a situation where we're probably going to see more of a committee. Freeman continues to be the lead guy, but like by how much? We just don't really know. And then on Huntley, the other nice thing, if he does get another start, like, man, I already mentioned the 28% design rush attempts, but also a 16% scramble rate today. So the dude is really using his legs. We didn't see it quite as much. They could not contain him, man. It was insane. No, he looked great. Like, and I mean, good for him, man. Like somebody needs to be looking at this dude, at Tyler Huntley. Like, I mean, he's he's definitely got some talent. So I think Denver would love to have. Tyler Huntley, like right now, like Love it. he could be their starting quarterback easily. Um, Rashad Bateman didn't come up in the box score for you. Only one target, one reception, but 98% of the routes uh, per drop back like that is a season high for him. So just knowing that he's out there enough, like in the Ravens offense, you know, is good enough. Like he could come through with a boom week. Like, it's not like we're saying that Rashad Bateman, you know, thank you social team for making, you know, my thing on the hustle this week. Like the one thing they pick is somehow like Rashad Bateman's going to break out. And I'm like, all the context is like, all the hours you've talked this week. That's the one. Yeah, that's the one. Um, uh, anyway, but, but Bateman, it is encouraging to see him be out there. I know he didn't get the targets. Like you mentioned, Marquise Brown, 39% of the targets, 33% to Mark Andrews. And with, with, you know, Marquise Brown, what I'll say is like, look, we know the guy hasn't lost, lost like his speed. So like, it's all still there. It's just a matter of the way these games have worked out. I'll take these targets. And I think they're an encouraging thing. You know, eventually the deep ball is going to be there. You know, eventually the big run after the catch play is going to be there. We just need them to keep feeding him. So overall for me with this, with Marquise Brown, like I love this, just knowing that he's staying involved, even though he's not coming up, he didn't come up with the big play today. Like they kept going back to him. That's encouraging. He's got at least four catches in all but one game this year, and that game was the infamous three-drop touchdown. Two, one of them got tipped against the Lions all the way <laughs> back in week three. Yeah, still talking about it. Just like you know, anyone Last second that tip, wants right in front of him. <laughs> anyone that wants to talk about Julio Jones not scoring a touchdown this year, please go back and review that week two one against the Seahawks, so people don't forget as we find as we you know have found out over the years. People, hope you enjoyed this edition of PFF Fantasy Podcast. If you did, I invite you to go on over to pff.com and get a subscription. Use code FANTASY and you can get 25% off either Edge or Elite subscription. And what can you get with that? I'm happy you asked. All of our locked article content, betting dashboard, 0 to 100 grades of every single player, our player prop tool, wide receiver cornerback tool, all that and much more. Support the pod and use promo code FANTASY for 25% off any sub. And also the holiday season is here and because the Fantasy Podcast listeners are the best of all the PFF podcasts. We want your help to create a list of what PFF should build for you. Please email us at contact at pff.com. Again, contact at pff.com with the answers to these questions. What PFF feature do you love the most? And what do you want most from PFF? Again, contact at pff.com and tell us which podcast sent you so that we can put your ideas into the wish list for 2022. 
fun promo for DraftKings trying to get in there. Don't just deposit money. Use this promo and they'll give you a bunch of free money in return. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code PFF. Bet just $1 on any team to score and win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score a promo code PFF this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, Pennsylvania. Only new customers. Only minimum $5 deposit. $1 wager. One per customer. Service supply. See DraftKings.com. Sportsbook details. Gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Also got a shout out our friends at Western Southern. One of the best deals I have seen pitched on this podcast. Literally, all you have to do, people, is submit a question at westernsouthern.com slash askchris. You can ask about Chris's football career, working with Al Michaels. Maybe you just want to know how to, you know, not be broke and try to make save money. Western Southern can help you with all that, as can Chris. One more time, that's westernsouthern.com slash askchris. And what do you get in return? Every submission earns you a chance to win the ultimate feast to celebrate football's favorite Sunday. They will cover your catering up to 2500 Coordinate your order from a restaurant near you and have it delivered on February 13th. 2022 for Super Bowl Sunday. You can check out the answers on the Chris Collinsworth podcast as well as Western Southern's Instagram each and every week. Remember, Western Southern, you can rest assured on game day. Now, Dwayne, usually after this podcast, there's one game left in the week because of freaking COVID. There are four. Raiders, Browns, Vikings, Bears, Washington, Philly, Seattle Rams. Just a few notes that have popped up. You know, we've already broken these games down. You know, we'll be on Twitter to try to help answer some last minute start sits, but I get it at this point. Not too much to do except pray to the fantasy gods and hope for the best. But we did see the Bears lose number one cornerback Jalen Johnson, the COVID list. Like Justin Jefferson, if you want to set his projection at 200 receiving yards, you might not be far off. Also, a note in Washington, Philly, Terry McLaurin, as well as Jalen. Jalen Hurts practice in full on Sunday. So really expecting both those guys to start. You know, it's been tough. I saw so many Taysom versus Jalen Hurts questions. If you decide to take the safe route, I don't blame you. With that said, it does really seem like Jalen Hurts is going to be starting come Tuesday. And then also with the Seattle Seahawks versus the Rams, Jalen Ramsey did get activated off the COVID list. The only wide receivers that he has shadowed for the Rams over the past two years, Devontae Adams, Mike Evans, and DK Metcalf. Does that mean you should fade Metcalf? Of course not. Metcalf has scored two touchdowns in each of his last two meetings against the Rams. Obviously, Tyrell Lockett remains on the COVID list. So, situation where, yeah, maybe if you want to tick down the projection just a tad, uh, go ahead. But keep in mind, tiebreaker, not a rule with these wide receiver cornerback matchups. So, Dwayne, any major takeaways, thoughts, notes, comments, criticisms, wherever the hell is on your mind for these four games? (laughs) No, um, I just don't want to hear any more COVID inactives. (laughs) Like, doing the space thing on Thursday and then um, Andrew and I did it again this morning like I feel for people like I've never had to give so many um, like if then type analyses right where everything kind of has a caveat well it's this if this player goes but if this guy's out then this guy moves up you know and with all these games being late like people's hands are kind of tied got to make a decision early like I had to use Ben Roethlisberger today over Jalen Hurts in a couple spots now like after seeing what Ben did like you're just like man I've I would just risk it all on Jalen Hurts if I knew I was going to get like 11 points from Ben Roethlisberger. So I just feel for everybody. It's like you said, just hoping that, you know, the fantasy gods, you know, look down on us all tomorrow and they don't give us any more of these last minute COVID-19 um, you know, issues. I guess the good news, if it does come down, you do at least have four games, right? Once we start hearing the stuff tomorrow. So hopefully you can make some sort of a pivot. 
it does sound like with the new COVID rules, they're going to instigate, you know, whether or not you think they're good for the health of humanity in the league. It does sound like that vaccinated players not showing symptoms. Like we shouldn't see as many guys get added to the list, but who knows? I'm knocking on wood. As I say that, you know, I want everyone to be healthy and not have COVID. That's the goal. Dwayne, anything else you want to get off your chest? No, man, that's it. We will be back on Tuesday with our waiver wire pod. Then we'll be back Wednesday, breaking down every single week 16 game. And then Friday, DFS goodness, and Friday evening, we will have more injury talk. So for Dwayne, I'm Ian. Hope everyone has a great holiday season and fantasy playoff success. And until next time, take care, everybody.